Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Sharon Vanderput. If you've got your Bibles, I'd ask you to please take out your Bibles, okay? We're going to dig in the Word today and we're going to focus on Romans Romans chapter 7. So I really want to ask you that you just follow along with me because I don't want anyone to to get lost um, or in any way. And it's just so important that we we actually read it. Um, I'll stay more in our mind when we read it and hear it than just one or the other. All right. Um, it's amazing how since we've been in this series of Romans, we have we have discovered that actually there is so much in just one book, actually in one chapter in the Bible. And there is so much in there. And there is a reason why Jesus refers to himself as the word of God, but then also as the living bread. And actually, this is spiritual food for us. This is spiritual food for us. And it's life giving. And the words are alive and they nourish us. But it will only feed us if we eat it. You can have the most amazing looking and smelling loaf of bread in front of you if you eat bread. If you don't, then picture something else you really like. Maybe it's pizza. Um, I don't know. But if it's in front of you, it won't, as amazing as it looks, it won't feed you unless you cut into it, if you want, dig into it, chew it and digest it. And that's the only way it will feed you. Just looking at it. Well, not Fiji. So that's what we really want to do this morning. We actually want to chew on the word today and digest it. Can you say chew? Chew. Chew. Well done. Okay, so we're going to start by reading a passage, chapter, Romans chapter 7. And we're going to go through it kind of section by section. And then we'll pause, summarize what it's saying, make sure none of us are confused. We're all on the same page. And then we'll go from there. Is that all right? Are you with me? Fantastic. All right. So, Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Released from the law, bound to Christ. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, from speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law that binds it to him. So then, if she has relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Okay, what is he saying here? Paul is making the point that death ends all obligations and contract. Yeah, can we agree? So death ends all obligation and contract. So let's keep reading why this is important, why he's going through all that trouble of explaining this. Verse 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. So the reason why this is important is because he's saying, just like I was explaining earlier with the married couple, you have died to the law. So it has ended all obligations and contract. Now, in Romans chapter 6, Paul was tackling license and talking about how now we no longer live under the law of of the law, but under the law of grace, right? 
But he was also saying that that doesn't just mean that we do whatever we want. So he was specifically talking Romans 6, specifically to the Gentiles about, yes, you've got grace, but that doesn't mean you just do whatever you want. Now, in this chapter, he's specifically talking to the Jews that were, see, saw themselves as bound to the law, married to the law. And he's basically saying, you're no longer married to the law, but now that you've given your life to Jesus, you're married to him. And can you see how for a Jew, that would really break a lot of guilt and, and concern and worry about not upholding the law because he's like, you've died to the law. It's done. It's over. It's done. You're not, you're not going to be called an adulterer per se and, and, and condemned for, for not holding on to the law like this because you're married to another. Now, that doesn't mean we just do whatever we want, but he's just saying you're married and bound to him and released from the law. Now, verse five. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in, in the old way of the written code. So now we've established that the law does not justify us, sanctify us, we've spoken about that, and we're released from that, and we've got freedom now, not to stop serving God, but to actually be able to serve him better. Amen? Amen. Okay, so what does the law actually do? Let's keep reading. Um, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So the law is a bit like an x-ray machine. It kind of shows you what's there, even if it's hidden. And it kind of just really lays bare the situation, what is actually there. And we're thankful for x-rays because they expose things we can't see. Amen. Yes, we're thankful for x-rays. All right. Verse 8. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Okay? Do you see that where it says the sin deceived me? It's the nature of sin. It promises false satisfaction, claims a good enough excuse. And so sometimes we can sin because we're looking for false satisfaction, but how many of you know that the world can never fully satisfy us as much as it tries. Some describe it as us having like a God-shaped hole in our lives. You might have heard that before. And you can fill it with all sorts of things, but because it either doesn't have the right shape or the right quality of the filling, it won't do the job. Okay, now let's keep reading here in a minute because this is actually setting the context for the main point and what we're gonna focus on today. You might not like this way of doing things, and I'm really sorry if you don't like going through this and like, oh, this is too much, confusing. But I believe it's really important because we're in danger of having generations coming up 
that have no literacy of the Bible, that don't know how to read the Bible, that don't know what to do with the Bible. And we just want to make sure that we maintain the skill, if you like, I don't want to call it a skill, but the habit of really wrestling and digesting the word and going through it, okay? Because we can give you all sorts of amazing, inspirational, motivational preachers, but it's the word that is life. It's the word that is life, not my words, it's this word that's life. Amen. Okay, verse 13, now we're going to get to it. Did that which is good then become deaf to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as as sin, it, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin, and I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. A lot of do's coming, just watch out. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that it is, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Okay, so we're going to break this down. Don't worry if you feel a little bit lost. Apologies. So he's saying, actually, can we just say how encouraging it is that Paul, the super apostle, is saying, I do the things I don't want to do and the things I do want to do, I don't want to do. Yes. Any honest Christians here that this is maybe your experience in life? Okay, great. So thank you, Paul. So let's just break this down a little bit, because he says here that what I do want to do, I desire to do what is good, verse 18, but I cannot carry it out. So the two problems here is that Paul is saying, I want to do these things. So the problem is not a lack of desire to do the right thing. Okay, that's the first thing. The problem is not the lack of desire. And then he knows what is right to do, because remember, Paul was Pharisee, super Pharisee, very educated, knew the law. He knew what was right. So the problem was not a lack of desire or a lack of knowledge even. He says, I couldn't carry out. It's a lack of power, because the law does not bring power or give us power. The law does not give us power to keep it. So let's carry on in verse 20. We're almost there. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. Now, wait a minute. Is Paul abdicating responsibility here as a sinner and saying, this is not my responsibility? I think he recognizes that when he sins, now because he's given his life to the Lord, he acts against his nature as a new creation in Christ Jesus. As Christians, when we sin or miss the mark, we must own up to it and take responsibility. But we realize that the impulse to sin does not come from who we are in Christ Jesus anymore. That in that it's not from that new creation. Okay, verse 21. And then this is the last section of the chapter and then we're done going through this chapter. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
From my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Now, some people, this passage, people see it in two different ways. Some people see it as pre-salvation, that this is Paul talking about when he was living in his old nature and sinful nature, and he was wrestling with with this sinful nature. Some people see it as post-salvation, after he's given his life to Jesus and describing his daily struggle with sin. Now we could go into all sorts, and I spent a whole week going through, because there's a lot of arguments for both, I spent a whole week going through it, but actually, whether it's pre or post-salvation and all of that, it actually becomes irrelevant because this is the struggle of anyone who tries to obey God in their own strength. And that's as simple as it is. You try to do things in your own strength without God, it's not going to work. It's going to be a struggle. Someone put it this way. This experience of struggle and defeat is something that a Christian may experience, but something a non-Christian can only experience. Let me say that again. This experience of struggle and defeat is something that a Christian may experience, but something a non-Christian can only experience. Because now that we've given our lives to the Lord, we've got God. And as we had Pastor Clive and, and Pastor Kevin share over the last few weeks, the power of sin in our lives is broken. We've been unplugged from the socket. We can choose to plug back in, but we've been plugged out of it. And if we choose to plug back in, that's our choice, but we don't have to, right? Whereas as a non-Christian, that's the only thing we can experience. So here's the thing about sin, you see. The more you resist it, the more you try to fight it, the harder it's going to get and the more worn out you're going to feel. (laughs) And we have this tendency as humans and with what's in our nature and maybe it's the rebellious part in us, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but we have this tendency to pick up the sword and try to fight it and fight the sin and, and all of that. Many times this can be in our strength and we try so hard at being a better person, at being a better Christian, and we just get worn out trying to fight sin in our lives. Attention is the fuel in our spiritual life. Whatever we give our attention to, is gonna fuel our spiritual life, both ways. So what do we do with sin? Best thing we can do in this situation is to acknowledge that we in ourselves are powerless to sin and rather need to follow Jesus's example and die. Now you might say, well, Sharon, getting a bit dramatic here. What do you mean you follow Jesus's example and die? I'm not talking about literal death. I'm talking about the nature, about within us, more of a spiritual thing. If we follow Jesus' example, let's look at the invitation Jesus gives in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I think that one should come up on the screen. It says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? I'm talking about this morning, about surrendering to him and about giving up the fight. We need to stop fighting the wrong battles. Because the more you try to fight sin, the more you try to be, oh, try really hard to be a better Christian, a better person, you're going to get yourself worn out because you don't have the power. Our job as Christian is not to defeat sin because Jesus has already done that. We need to accept what he has done for us and stop trying to fight it in ourselves because you can't. I'm sorry to tell you, you can't. (laughs) So we're talking today about giving up fighting. Now, I'm not talking about spirit, not fighting spiritual warfare. I'm very aware, it's very important that we do that and that we are aware of the spiritual battle waging around us. But even in that, we need to be surrendered to the Lord and pray what he's asking us to pray and follow the lead of the one who's undefeated. Amen? Because <laughs> he's the only one who's undefeated. Now, What we're talking about today is about fighting sin and the things in our life. It doesn't even have to be sin, but things in your life that you're fighting constantly and that you're maybe not proud of or at times where maybe you've messed up. Have you ever had a moment where you were like, I can't believe I've done this again? Or you're like, oh, oh, I've done it again. I can't believe it. Or where there's things that you feel like you need to deal with and you keep coming back up in your life over and over again, the same kind of issues. And um, whether it's a bad habit, an addictive behavior, destructive behavior, doubt, fear, anger, whatever it is, it's the things that we wish that were no longer there and that we feel like we need to fight every now and then. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, We don't have to fight sin anymore. Power of sin is broken in your life. It is broken. That is the truth. I need you to hold on today. The power of sin is broken in your life. Now, you might still experience sin and choose to sin, but it has no power over you anymore, which means that you can be free from it. Amen. Amen? Now, I'm not just talking about sin here. This, this can be anything you are... I'm focusing on sin because that's kind of the main thing we're talking about here in, in this chapter. But it's anything in your life that you feel like, oh, I wish it wasn't there, whether that's sin or another thing, whatever it is. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Priscilla's favorite person <laughs> ever, has ever lived, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Now, what are we talking about here? Like I said, this is not a literal death. Even though for him, in his case, yes, he was murdered by the Gestapo, and for him it was a literal death. But we're talking about a death to self. And um, John Mark Coleman, his book, Live No Lies. Can I have the book, please? Is that all right? I've just been reading his book. It's a really good book, by the way, if you want to have a read. Um, he's saying, I'm just going to read it from here because I probably won't find it in time. It says, but this call to self-denial sounds alien to our modern ears, right? Please forgive me if I mispronounce some of these words. Okay, he uses a bit of fancy words here sometimes. The barrage 
of cultural messaging we receive constantly through the digital IV of a myriad, myriad devices says the exact opposite. Everything is about self-fulfillment, not self-denial. The idea of saying no to yourself to say yes to Jesus sounds, well, crazy. Many of us can fathom a vision of the good life that doesn't involve our getting what we want. So what exactly is Jesus calling us to deny? The best way I can frame it is to say this. We're to deny ourselves, not ourselves. Now, thanks, John. Um, just stay here with me for a minute. See, self, it's not your personality, the essence of who you are, but our flesh. Okay, it's that self we're talking about. Why do we need to do that? Because actually, and I need you to, to listen to this, our strongest desires are not always our deepest desires. Okay, let me say it again. Our strongest desires are not always our deepest desires. So you might have a really strong desire to do something, to satisfy whatever, but this, this, what you're trying to satisfy is a deeper desire, and that might not actually be what you're trying to do is not what you're actually longing for. Does that make sense? It's like a false satisfaction. Yeah. Now, because we have the fullness of God, if you're giving your life to the Lord and you have the fullness of God in you, you have those good desires in you that God has put inside of you. But it's like, if you've, if you've been doing a freedom course with us, we spoke about this recently, about how when we when we're hungry physically, it become, our stomach becomes louder. And the more we feed it, the quieter it gets. It's the opposite with the spirit. The hungrier it is, the quieter it gets. So that's why you don't have something screaming at you, oh, I'm hungry. Your spirit is not yelling at you, I'm hungry. It's getting quieter and quieter and quieter. It's the opposite of what happens physically. So... Like, remember what I said, attention is, a spirit, is, is a, the fuel to our spiritual life. So whatever we give our attention to. Now, all those the strong desires that might lead us to, to sin or do certain things, they might scream at us. They literally might scream at us. But sometimes we have to pause. Very practical point here. Be like, this is a very strong desire, but is this actually my deepest desire? Is this what I actually really need or want within myself as a person that is a new creation in Christ Jesus? Because the world is going to try to get us to fill what we need spiritually with false things of the world and trying to manufacture something. And that's when we can sometimes feel so empty and not satisfied, right? Okay, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, what an amazing scripture. So let's look at this scripture because obviously Paul is still breathing here, right? So... What part of Paul is crucified with Christ? We talked about this a minute ago. Self. 
It gives us the answer a few chapters later in Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, what Paul is saying through these two verses is that he's died to his flesh and has now come alive through it. Might seem contradictory. He's died to his flesh, but has now come alive in it. Okay? Because... (laughs) Okay, you might be like, Sharon, where are you going with this? Have you spent all this time to go through the scriptures to tell us that we need to die to ourselves and surrender. That's basically what I've been doing. (laughs) Basically what I've been saying. Um, And that's exactly where we're going because, like, church, the cross represents everything. It's the focal point of our Christian faith. So everything is going to keep pointing us to that. And Jesus has said, come and follow me. And Jesus gave us the invitation, if anyone wants to be my disciple, must pick up his cross daily and follow me. For me this week, the cross to pick up has been such a symbol of like, like a joyous thing of like, yeah, I'm dead, but Jesus is alive because he died on the cross. You know, it it doesn't have to be like a horrible type of thing. It's like a symbol thing of, I am dead, I no longer live, but Jesus is alive and this cross represents hope for me and life for me. Amen. Everything will keep pointing us back to the cross because it's our way to life to the full. It's our way to life to the full. John Mark Home also says this, it's how we step into life, we die. If you're looking to feel more alive, (laughs) to live more, spend a bit more dying to yourself. (laughs) It's basically what he's saying. Because it's what we read earlier in Romans chapter seven, Paul said that I recognize there's nothing good in me. There's nothing good in me, but everything that's good is in Jesus. And that's why I said, for I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life I now live, I live through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, that scripture, honestly, if you want to memorize scripture, start with that one. It's amazing, that one. Now, saying yes to Jesus means saying no to a thousand things, absolutely. And it's not easy, and it can feel hard, and it can feel challenging. And it's denying self, yes, that's what we're doing. It's not pretty, it's not always glorious. But once we come to this decision and come before the Lord and surrender, and accept the invitation of laying ourselves down, and crucifying our flesh with its passions and desires, we become free because that's where the power is. We were talking about being empowered by the Spirit and we were talking about, I can't carry it out. Remember, we said it was not a lack of desire that was the problem or the lack of knowledge, it was a lack of power. And it's in the dying, it's in the death of Jesus Christ that the power was released, right? And that's the same for us. As you follow Jesus' example and we choose to lay down and say, It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm crucifying this in me. Don't want it. No. Maybe you've had to do this numerous times. Sometimes those things try to resurrect themselves and you just have to be like, nope, you're dead. Sorry. No. It's true. 
That's where the power is, and that's where we're released to walk in the ways of God and to be able to do the things that we want to do and not do the things we don't want to do. That's where the power is released. But within ourselves, we can't do it. The power and the life is in the surrender. Amen. We're going to do that this morning. And acknowledging, God, I can't do this without you. As much as I want to and know not to, I need you. In order to live the fullness, in the fullness of the Spirit and in order to live in what we long to see, it requires a surrendering to his purposes and to stop fighting the wrong battles. Stop fighting the wrong battles. <laughs> Toby, would you mind coming up already? Thank you. We need to stop fighting and surrender, not to the desires of our flesh, but to the one who is undefeated. To the one who is undefeated. To the one who is undefeated. He took up all the struggle, all the pain, the sin to the cross and dealt with it there. And he alone is victorious over sin and is sinless. So by surrendering to him afresh today and every day, (laughs) I believe there's going to be a fresh release of power in your life as we're going to do that. Because his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Right? And he's in a world where weaknesses is discouraged. Jesus is saying, It's great. Finally, you've noticed you've got weaknesses. Tell me all about them. Give them to me. It's not like an interview where it's like, So, <clears throat> excuse me, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And show me who you are and give me the best of yourself. Jesus is like, Show me all the ugly parts. I want to know it all. I want to have it all. Jesus loves that about you. When you humble yourself and you're like, I can't do this. I need Jesus. He loves that. He loves that when we show him our weaknesses. So we're going to take some time to pray and to surrender to God. Give ourselves to him. And guys, this does not, this does not look pretty or impressive. It does not make people go, look at that anointed person of the Lord. Because that's not what we're here for anyways. But it does not look pretty or amazing or glorious in any way. It's very much a humbling. It's very much a, Lord, just come before you. We're people who are in need of a saviour. I'm the first one to be happy to acknowledge it. I need a saviour. I need saving. I have been saved, but I still am being saved, right? The word salvation is a continuous thing in there. serve at the pleasure of the King and we're going to just come before the Lord now and um, give of ourselves you can stay where you are you can come forward you can kneel down flat on your face whatever it is let me tell you it does not feel comfortable maybe inside or maybe even physically whatever it is but that surrender to the Lord I think is so important that we do that afresh as a congregation Lord, I've been fighting all these things. I do the things I don't want to do and the things I don't want to do, I do do. And Lord, I've been frustrated. Or maybe it's not even sin. Maybe it's a situation in your life. 
whatever it is, I just want to invite you, just come, surrender before the Lord. Bring it to the cross. Really wanted us to get a, a cross for this morning, but it's surprisingly very difficult to get a big-sized cross these days for church. But just picture it in front of you. Just come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I want to follow your example. I want to pick up my cross and declare that you are alive and I no longer live. Jesus. Whatever it is that you need to do, just do it now. And again, you can stay where you are. You can come forward, do whatever you need to do. But let's really take this time to to do business with God and, and surrender and give of ourselves afresh to Him. Give it to Him and, and give up. Say, God, I can't do this. I need you. Maybe there's certain desires, things in the flesh or passions or whatever it is that you need to crucify afresh or give over to the Lord. Just know that as you give yourself to Him, He welcomes you and He looks at you with love. Not any condemnation or anger or disappointment, but such joy and love. Thank you, Jesus. you've already defeated it. Father, thank you that we can receive freely that gift of salvation and grace and redemption and restoration in our lives. Father, I thank you right now for as everyone is, is surrendering and, and coming afresh to you, Lord, I thank you for the power being released in their life, Lord. Father, I thank you because we recognize that it's not a lack of desire. Lord, I know everyone here wants to serve you well and to do what you're asking them to do. Everyone wants to honor you and please you. Lord, we know it's not a lack of desire. And Lord, we know it's not a lack of knowledge. But Father, we just, we recognize that we need your power. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.